Welcome to season nine of Focus on Women. So excited to share that Tidy Books is here to help all of us do our bookkeeping faster, better, and get it off our plates. If you ever feel like you're not a numbers person, or maybe you feel the stress and dread over your finances, Tidy Books is here to help. Tidy Books provides monthly bookkeeping services to help you be as hands off as you want to be with your finances, but still have the big picture of your business at any time of the year. If this sounds intriguing to you, contact Tanya for a free consultation and 50% off your first month of bookkeeping with the code TIDY50. You can find Tanya's contact information in the show notes or go to tidybooksboutique.com. Again, the code is TIDY50 and you can contact Tanya at tidybooksboutique.com forward slash contact. Now on to the show. This is Tracy, and today's guest is Karen Santos. She's a first-generation Peruvian-American commercial photographer based in Oakland, California. She's also a member of the Authority Collective and Diversify Photo, and a co-founder of the creative nonprofit called By and For, which consists of Black, Indigenous, and people of color creative photographers who are committed to the work of social justice activism, and community, building through acts of service. So we're super excited to have her here. We have a lot to dive into. So I'm going to start with welcoming Karen. Hi. Hi. And we have Shelly Waldman, our podcast producer. Hey, Shelly. Hello. I'm so excited to hear your story today, Karen. So Karen, let's, let's go back. Are you, are you a native Californian? Yes, you are. And kind of. But tell us your story, where you got started, where you went to school. Have you always wanted to do photography? Yeah, um, I am actually, yeah, I'm born and raised in the South Bay. Um, and uh, my parents are Peruvian. And so they immigrated here in the early 80s. And then, and so I, and I shared this part of my identity because I think that greatly influenced so much of my pursuits creatively, professionally all of it, you know, cause one of those things is like, they didn't have a lot of privilege. I mean, they were escaping terrorism in Peru in the eighties and there was just a very messed up economical situation. And so they didn't have, a, you know, hard workers and didn't have a lot of like hobbies or, 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 um, what do you call it? Like recreational activities. And so as it, it was important for my parents to put my sister and I in like recreational activities like the arts and sports and things like that and I just took a very strong liking to the arts and especially music and my dad's a big music aficionado so I actually grew up my my creative background in performing arts music and and piano and theater and singing and all of that so so yeah when I was I wanted to pursue performing arts and vocal performance and went to New York and very much it was a so I was there for about two years and would say that I felt, I mean, you know, I think as an 18 year old, you just have so much like excitement and tenacity and you think you're an adult. And so like, I went to New York being like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And this is where I'm going to be. And this is what's going to happen. But there are so many complexities. And I think in just like my upbringing and worth and all the things I very much was small fish in a very big pond. And so I gravitated and I also just loved art history too. So and just the arts in general, right? So I gravitated towards studying a lot of um, 
art history classes and I had this mentor teacher, professor, professor Bell, and she came under her wing and, and showed me this like art world there. I went, you know, to a lot of art galleries and museums and came across a lot of like contemporary photography and then ended up taking a history of photography class and something just kind of clicked and at the time I wasn't I decided to take a year of just like liberal art studies and mainly studying art history and I but I missed you know I missed performing I missed expressing and so something just kind of clicked I had a really good conversation with my best friend and she was pursuing photography in San Francisco and um yeah she inspired I I just there was a a gut feeling like this moment I was like I think I want to do this. Like, I think I want to pursue photography. And granted at that time, like all I had was point and shoot cameras. And I also love disposable cameras. So that was like my knowledge of photography, like just, just shoot it, you know, we didn't have iPhones then, but you know, so I transferred out of the liberal arts school and I went to Academy of Art in San Francisco and yeah, started a BFA program over there in photography, specifically the commercial track, but halfway through also had another incredible uh, professor who was one of the main teachers of the fine art department in that, in those classes, I learned so much about the nuances of photographing people and expression and authentic narratives and emotions. And I think that's when I was really starting to fall in love with wanting to capture people and their stories and and really starting with my own family, you know, like there's so much, um, uh, like psychology and story and history. And, and even just like, I remember one of my favorite classes was even taking a portrait of someone and not showing their face. And so we really had to be conceptual about that. And yeah, it was just really expansive, like creatively. Um, And yeah, so when I graduated, it was interesting because I technically was under the commercial track, but I took a lot of like fine art classes and it was actually really interesting. I kind of blocked this memory out. And then I just recently remembered that I had my portfolio review (laughs) and um, it was like, oh, older uh just uh, what do you call it director of photography department you have this portfolio review they review your portfolio and it was a mixed bag of things right because I started the track and I was like learning photography there but then I switched to this fine art and was showing just very personal raw um and our and academy of art is very driven to I think they mainly focus on commercial like they invest so much money in the and having the highest tech and equipment and digital stuff and yeah he pretty much told me he was like yeah I don't think you're make a living off of this like you're not really gonna gonna make it it's not strong and you know maybe you should oh at the time I was also photographing weddings because that was the way I was making money through college and he was like yeah you should just stick to weddings like that's a very lucrative business (laughs) so you know yeah yeah that's part of my yeah that really happened (laughs) (laughs) wow so what did you do when you left school, what was, what was the motivating factor? Like, did you assist for a while or how did you kind of get out well, of you know, his head? Yeah. Well, I will, you know, on a more personal level, like the last two years of college, I was also going through a lot of my own personal soul searching and identity searching and self searching. Um, and I was also experiencing depression and, and so that, hence why a lot of my work was very raw, vulnerable, you know, and kind of, therapeutic really I think art school was a very uh, art therapy (laughs) 
because through these projects, I really went there with my story, with my feelings, with um, exposing so much of myself through my work. So, you know, it was hard. I felt very like I didn't know where to go from there. And all I knew and kind of like what the director said, I was like, well, yeah, at least I I know I want to stick to photography and I'm doing well in this wedding industry and it's making me money and I'm surviving and at least it's photography. And I remember actually there was another great teacher at the program um, who was this very successful uh, commercial photographer and he was like the cool teacher because he had his own, we didn't even take class at, at the school. He had his own studio, like in Soma, this three tiered, incredible industrial photography studio where one floor is just all props and things. And then he had like a huge digital room and this huge meeting space. And he like ordered pizza for us every class. So he was just very, very successful. So I was just like, man, like, how did he do this? And granted he has a lot of privileges and a lot of things, but you know, I take on his wisdom. And he, I remember him saying, um, you know, if you want to be a successful photographer, you have to do photography. You cannot, he's like, my recommendation is like, you cannot be a, a server and then a photographer on the side. Like photography has to be your main focus and your, and your priority because you will get lost in having it be a hobby and it'll just fall on the wayside. And I remember that really sticking to me. So yeah, when I graduated college, I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I want to do or how I'm going to be in this commercial track, but I'm just going to stick to weddings and figure it out from there. So yeah, I, I did that for, I think I want to say another three to three or so years. And, you know, I was in my mid twenties and young and I was hustling it and shooting like so many weddings a year, not just my own weddings, but assisting. So it was like 40, 50 weddings a year and I got burnt out you know, like not just, just saturated with like the wedding industry, but also I was like in my mid twenties and I went to this really creative, you know, photo school. And I was like, I'm not doing, or, you know, um, utilizing the skill sets that I know, and I'm not creating creative work. So at that point, again, I was also still doing my soul searching of just like, who am I? Um, and I decided to go back to Peru. And I think that was where a lot of my, I just needed to have like this homecoming, you know, I just, I felt that there was all these stories that I knew and, and people that I've heard about. And I wanted to just spend some time there. So I spent a couple months in Peru to meet extended family, to travel around there, to kind of get in touch with my roots and my culture and my history. And, you know, I was kind of those, one of those, I guess, like eat, pray, love moments. Where I was like, well, maybe I'll figure something out here, but really it was, I went, yeah, I, I went there to be with family and also to volunteer and take photos and, um, and, and that's when I was like, wow, I really, I really do love photographing people. I really do love these intimate moments you have with people. So when I came back from Peru, I had this like refreshed perspective. I was like, I, I think I need to do that. Like at least I've only did one creative shoot this past year with a friend. So I decided to go to New York for like a month and I, I reached out to my arts community that was out there and I was like, Hey, I'm here for the month. I just want to create a new body of portfolio work for myself. Like I didn't think anything about it. I was just like, I just want to create some work, creative stuff. Like I just want to do whatever. Like if, if you're, if we're scrunching up seamless paper, cool. If we have war paint on you or like whatever, like I getting weird, let's get weird. Let's get, you know, just all of that. And, you know, performing artists and actors and whatnot are game for anything. So, so yeah, I spent a month there and I was like, and I don't think I even charge. I think I charge like 50 bucks. I was like, just like, I just need to do it, you know? And so 
I booked up like a session a day for the first two weeks. And so, um, but as I was shooting and sharing, and at the time I would, I, I did have an iPhone. So I, it was, I was new to Instagram. So I was like posting some photos of it. And then through their network and community, people were reaching and were like, could I hire you to do some fun, cool photos? Like, this is so rad. And I was like, oh, okay. So then it, it kind of snowballed. And the last two weeks I was shooting like two or three sessions a day and just like hopping around New York and like going to these other creatives, artists, like warehouses and homes and lofts and stuff. And yeah, creating in their spaces. And then by the end of the trip, I was leaving. I had another, like just a bunch of inquiries of being like, Hey, like we hear you're like doing this. Like, are you coming back? And I remember like sitting at a bar with a friend. I'm like, should I come back and do this? Like, is this my, is this a new business that I, that's happening? And he's like, yeah, I guess. So, so I booked my flight for a month later and I came back and it, yeah, that's what started my portrait and branding business in New York and ended up, you know, expanding out to a huge network of, you know, Broadway actors and musicians and performers. And so pre-pandemic for two or three or three or so years, I was going out there like every two or three, every two months, every two or three months and for like two or three weeks at a time and shooting out there portrait and branding content for um, performers and, and artists and, and some stuff in the Bay. So that's my nutshell of like how it all, wow. how it all came about. It's wild. Uh, I love that it came back to community for you, um, mm-hmm. right? Like it really came back to the people who are closest to you, the people that you've connected to, your network of people. And really, you know, that's like the extended family piece that you ultimately went back to per- Peru to kind of rediscover. Mm-hmm. And so how does that community take you into this next phase of your, you know, work? Uh, because that's where kind of like, by, you know, your, your buy and for came from, um, and you have right. a community of people around that. So can you take that, take us into like the next, the next business you started? Yeah, the next chapter. You know, what was so interesting is like, it's so true when they say like, create the work that you love. And, um, and so through that, through that creative portrait work that I did is when I started getting sought out by other like corporate and brands and, and businesses that wanted. And so that was, was kind of cool of like how my career started taking me in this commercial route unintentionally. And, and here I am kind of like full circle doing that. But with that, you know, I realized with the different types of production and budgets and whatnot, I was, what's the word? Like I was not as accessible or affordable in my own community, you know, in my own BIPOC community. And just because there are economic disparities for our, for BIPOC folks in America. And so I was realizing that, that I was photographing a lot of exec teams and C-suites and they're all, you know, older white folks. And so I was like, huh, like this is, you know, it was a cool, it's a cool new industry and endeavor. And I love being a part of it. I'm learning so much, but at the same time, I'm like, huh, I'm not, I'm not familiar with this, you know, or I don't see myself represented in these spaces. And so, and I'm also not, you know, I'm pricing out of like small businesses and things like that. And so how can I, and then this is a conversation I had with my co-founder, Alice and Christiana about it. We were talking about how our, with our businesses, we're like, yeah, we're doing these rad jobs, but like, you know, how can we show up in our own communities and should we do a sliding scale? Should we, you know, do discounted 
services or photos like because you know a lot of my own community and my upbringing is going to mom and pop restaurants or going to local shops and and whatnot and and sometimes seeing their branding or their websites or their yelp page and things like that and being like ooh, like if they just had stronger branding or if they just had a solid image like can you imagine how that would help their business and you know just kind of like being aware of that that's always been on the back of my mind and how and in the back of my mind so yeah it all it all the buy and for started in the pandemic. Well, one, because we were all out of work. So there was a lot of time, but not other than that, there was just so much civil unrest with the murder of George Floyd and seeing all the racial injustice and activism arise. And it was like the perfect timing. I was just like, yeah, this is, this is what we need to do. Like we, we don't have money right now because we're not working <laughs> as photographers or, you know, but what, what do we have? What skill set and tools do we have? We have, we have photography and it's a very powerful tool that can, um, that can help. So yeah, my, my co-founder and I took, we met every week for two or two hours or so and started like thinking about like, how do we want to create this? Is it like, uh, a collective, like, you know, just like think we've never started anything like this, you know, this as a nonprofit. Um, so we had to do a lot of research about that, like about nonprofit organizations and, you know, the kind of organization we wanted to create and feel, um, and the space to create for our own community and also for our own identities too, you know, as fellow BIPOC or POC members. Yeah. I find it interesting that you jumped into the nonprofit side of things um and didn't like explore first was that intentional uh what do you mean by explore meaning like the two of you could have just got together and did some test shooting kind of like what you did in new york where you're like let's just reach out to the community and see who needs some imagery right versus like let's create a nonprofit and then let's do the work uh, because creating a nonprofit is quite an undertaking yeah, you know, I don't know if we, <laughs> I think that was the intent, like, let's start, I think the reason why we wanted to have some, build an organization around it, it's not so much that we were like, oh, let's make a nonprofit, it was more like, let's create a system that will be fair, not just for like the donation of what we are giving to our clients, but also on the photography side of things, because, you know, our, our, our clientele is for anyone that identifies as BIPOC and has a business, whether it's a small business, a freelance business or whatnot. And that could range from many different types of professions and, and jobs. So we wanted to make sure that the photographers felt, you know, protected in their image usage and licensing. And so it, it had to turn into something that would be fair and respected for both parties. And so, and through that system, we kind of realized like, okay, well, we, I guess we kind of do need some funding to like, you know, upkeep the website and whatnot, but it's not so much for us that it's money-making or like that. This is a job. This is really our donated time. Every, all of the members that are part of it are donating their time in creating the website or, you know, being social media managers or, or even just donating the shoot itself. So it really is a community collective effort, um, on the backside of things and also extending it out to our own communities to, to share it with others because yeah, yeah, we want to be able to provide outreach. And right now we're small. I mean, it's, we really just launched this in um, February. So, um, and we're learning so much, you know, like as to how to create an ease through this, through the system. And 
And so, yeah, we just finishing our third quarter this year. And I think next year we will only have two quarters. Cause again, that was the other part too. We were like, okay, well the first half of this year as photographers, a lot of us started to go back into work. I'm curious, like, I wonder what it's going to be like, because we've put so much time in creating this how our bandwidth is going to be once a lot of us maybe will go into full work because we there's just so much unpredictability with the pandemic and just just the work life right and workflow life so so yeah a lot of us now are are working full-time and we realize like yeah i think we can only provide like two quarters or two yeah two quarters next year um because there's so much thought there's so much intention and there's so much like on the production side of things to make sure we create we treat it as a paid commercial client. You know, we, we create call sheets, we have um, pre-pro meetings with the businesses and, you know, really want to learn their story and really want to learn how we can create images that reflect their brand authentically or their business authentically. So yeah, we, we definitely, it is a job, you know, we treat it with that respect in that regard. So yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's been really exciting to see how it's been flourishing and, and um, also just, the clients themselves too, like being among our own community, creating the space for them and, and just having understanding each other on this like deeper level of like of our upbringings or a lot of us being first generation American or being immigrants or the struggles that we've all kind of encountered in our upbringings. So it really has been healing as well, like healing and very, very heartfelt. It sounds amazing. And I have so many questions about it. Can you, can you share with us first, I guess the first question would be how do people, that a collective of not just the create from the creative side, but then also from the client side, or is it that, do you know what I mean? Like, is it anyone in the BIPOC, BIPOC community of creatives is allowed to become part of your community, right? Do you mean as a member or as a client? As a member. As a member, yeah, anyone of the BIPOC community, um, we will be launching applications in the next month or two um, to bring on a couple more members. And as of now, we're only accepting BIPOC photographers. And yeah, I think that's our intent is to keep it photography and creating imagery in this way. But we are looking you know, ideally for members that do, I mean, as, I think as a freelancer too, and as a photographer, we wear many, many hats. So people that can definitely help out in other avenues, whether it's social media marketing or copywriting or, or illustration and things like that. But for now, it, yeah, it's just, it's just photographers. And then on the client side, how is that, how does that wrap in? If you become part of, if you're a member, are you then sort of helping to find them the work or is the work something that you guys are sort of pitching to the different people within your community to say, Hey, we have this great roster of talent and we're here to help you build your business. Yeah. So what we do is, so as a buying for, we call ourselves contributors as a buying for contributor, each one of us right now, there's five of us, each one of us donates a photo package and it's a collective photo package where we um, provide an, we call it like an editorial marketing package. So we come into your business and we photograph either environment shots of your brick and mortar or process shots of you, you know, creating or building your craft or working in your space. And also meet a couple product shots, definitely some portraits or headshots. 
and yeah, just something that can tell a little bit more of a story about your business and you get 15 um, image deliverables. And as far as like how we get these clients, it's really they can apply. So when we launch a quarter, um, anyone that identifies as BIPOC and has a business um, can apply on our website. And it's a it's a lottery application. It's a process. It's an application process, and we choose them through just a lottery. Like a we have this like app that's like a Wheel of Fortune app where it's, you put everyone's business name and you click it, and then it like selects the winner. You know, so um, yeah, it's at random, and you get randomly paired with a photographer. And then from there, the photographer reaches out to the client and we get them signed on board and we start the photo production process of pre-pro meetings and talking, you know, about how we want to create for them and setting a shoot date and then the deliverables for them. And then, yeah, and then once the job is done, it's completed and um, we'll be able to share them on our platforms, on our website. And in a way, it's becoming a directory of these BIPOC small businesses, you know, which is really rad, um, as well as our Instagram. And then now, actually, what's really exciting is we're going to have a, and we're still in process of this, but we'll be definitely having a gallery show in February at Rock, Paper, Scissors here in Oakland in the month of, I believe, February. So um, it'll be a great opportunity to, to um, and now that we're safely starting to gather, to invite the clients to come see the show and network with each other. And really, yeah, again, just kind of continuing to build community around um, other BIPOC folks. Amazing. Very I cool. I can't wait to see that invite. <laughs> but again, like again, it comes back to community and, and using the creative force to build community. And I think this is a theme we're seeing in your overall, you know, story. Um, and it's something that Tracy and I believe in very much, which is why Focus on Women even exists, is mm -hmm. to build community. So I love that um, you're giving back to those where you kind of found like there's a need. And I'm really curious about some of the success stories, you know, these clients that have come that you've been able to work with and build these great stories. You know, give us a maybe one little story of one of the clients that you've been able to work with about what that process was like for them and you know, how that imagery is really benefiting them now. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a bit hard to scale, like, as far as like statistics and data, as far as like, how, how do we, I forget what the word is exactly, but to really measure that per se. And we're still in process to kind of figure out like how, you know, maybe talking to other business coaches or market or other BIPOC marketing folks on how we can, help them use the images in a way that will promote them best because sometimes you can give someone great images and then they don't know what to do with it or they don't share it right or you know like there's there's strategy around it so yeah i think we're in process of kind of figuring out or in figuring out how to best support them in this way as well but what i will say is that at the end of the day they still have these like awesome solid images that they may not have been able to either afford or made time for or whatnot. And they were given this opportunity to be able to have this photo shoot and, and, and seeing it out in the world too, like the response. I mean, it's just, yeah, really beautiful work that our contributors have created. And yeah, I think, I think it kind of comes to what we can measure, what we can feel is like the love, like really this like community love and support. It's just such a positive loving feeling on set of just being like, yeah, we're creating this and we're going to, you know, in a way it's, 
us showing up in this way is amplifying them and and granting and them giving us access in their space to tell their story, you know, because I think ultimately everyone has a story as to why they created their business. And, and yeah, so, so yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's kind of hard to say how to measure that, but I think, I think, uh, I would say though, actually, if I rewind a little bit, my previous client, Opal Marketplace, like we did this really cool, I mean, Opal has to do with iridescence. So I use some iridescent filters and photographing her jewelry and she photo and she creates jewelry out of resin. And, and it was really rad to, to, and I don't really shoot product photography as we discussed, I'm a portrait photographer, but you know, like I was like, well, this is also a great opportunity to like, you know, hone in on another part of this craft. So, but yeah, we did some, some really ethereal, beautiful photos and she definitely ran with it and created a TikTok account and even like is using some of that filter for her own work as well. So it's really staying consistent with her brand. And I also think too, as far as like creatives go, like it was just an inspiring experience on both ends. I was inspired by her and the, and her jewelry. And, and I think she was inspired with the photo process and learning some things of, you know, how I was like shooting things. Cause in a way I was like, yeah, I know I'm shooting this for you now, but like you can use the same setup more or less in your home and like continue shooting your products in this way. Now you have the tools. Now you have the props. Now you have these things that we created this vision for. And she, yeah, she definitely ran with it. And it just, yeah, really excites me when I see her her posts or her stories pop up on my feed. I'm like, ah, oh, this is so good. Like, I'm just so proud of her. It's so happy to, to, to see her really flourish, at least on this, cre- you know, creatively in this way. So, so yeah, I, I'd say that's, that was, a that's been really cool to witness. So Karen, would you, will you eventually then sort of like have a cap on how many photographers you want within the community as well as clients? I mean, I could imagine that some, you know, word of mouth is going to spread quickly around the clients. And then you'd have this like backup of applications of people wanting to, to get involved. Do you foresee that or? Yeah. You know, I think we're taking it quarter by, or a year by year. I know it's a lot of, again, it's donated time. So it's a lot of work as far as like co-founders and the, and the contributors of showing up and creating marketing for by and for, as well as like sharing the businesses. And we definitely do need more members so that we can, you know, share more of the, the work that goes behind uh, the scenes, you know? And so, but at the same time, we also want to be very intentional about how many contributors you have, because that's what kind of happens sometimes. And I've been in part of communities where it started as a small, like 20, 30 person group, and then it expanded out to 200 people. And then you don't really know people anymore because there's so many of you. So we definitely are intentional about not blowing it up and something that is at least manageable for now. And I think that's, what's kind of beautiful about just like limiting it to the Bay area because, you know, I think in the beginning we did discuss like, well, can you imagine if this can go even bigger? I'm like, ah, but the bigger it gets, the more you have to manage. And like right now, why don't we just start with this (laughs) and let's, and let's work out the kinks and let's work out the system so that it can be, yeah, it can be, we create a seamless process. How about that? So yeah, that's, that's where we're at at the moment. Um, and it, and yeah, it, it really does. It, you, I mean, at the end of the day, of course, we want to be able to, you know, provide more services to more people that apply. But again, it, it we, again, want to be very intentional about, about the process. I think it's fantastic. I can't wait to see how it grows and changes for the small businesses as well as for 
like you said, the creatives who get to be pushed and you get to think a little bit differently and you get to also bring the commercial philosophies to these small businesses that may never have that opportunity otherwise. Mm-hmm. But I want to switch gears a little bit and get into your work and get back yeah. into, um, you know, these awesome projects that you've done and different campaigns and how you're personal projects in New York and getting back into portraiture and being creative with the performers has led you to do some amazing campaigns for like NPR and Pepsi and Uber and so on and so forth. So how let's, let's talk about when you got back into portraiture and how you stepped into these bigger campaigns. Like what was that transition like, or how did that opportunities come, you know, whose doors were you knocking on and how were you doing that? Ah, that's a great question. You know, I have always been kind of a little bit removed from the industry, the commercial industry, just because it was very overwhelming, especially not having a lot of other. So yeah, it was an interesting transition from wedding to portraiture and then having this like small business for myself and in this like creative art bubble or, you know, creative performance art bubble. I didn't really have intentions of stepping into the commercial industry. I was just creating because this is what I love to do, you know? And, and I was like, Hey, this is a small business that is bringing me joy. It's hard work. Like it's, it was a lot of hustle and travel. I mean, I think people always, what do you call it? Um, glamorize like work travel, but it's, it was a lot, <laughs> you know, like it rocks your schedule. It rocks your life a little bit and it's a lot of managing, but I think, you know, it's interesting. Cause I always, I don't know if it was like a, my, uh, again, I come back to this thing of like, create the work that you love. Cause I think what's how it all started was I was, I was a part of this like creative mastermind group with flight design co a couple of years ago. And I met a friend of mine, Ashley, and you know, we were, the intent was to create a project for the, uh, what was it? Was it a year? Maybe it was a couple of months. Maybe it was, a, I think it was a year. It was a year commitment. Um, and in whatever, craft you you do and my friend Ashley wanted to create the zine with his magazine of uh women of color and like women of color businesses or artists or creators in the bay and at the time this was right in the beginning when Mina Harris was uh launching the phenomenal the phenomenal campaign or the phenomenal tees like the OG tees with the that's gray that just says phenomenal and and yeah and so Ashley had picked or had connected with a couple of like a handful of women of color for the magazine. And at the time I was like the only, I, so we paired up together and I was the photographer and I was looking for other photographers to create for the zine too. So, but anyway, so I had the opportunity to photograph Mina's portraits and I had met her at that time. And yeah, she was just like, Whoa, it's so rad. You're like Latina and you're a woman of color photographer. And it was just like, it was so chill, you know, like she was just, she had just flown back from like, I think like Paris or something. And she was like, I'm jet lagged, but like, make me look good. I was like, yeah, as a woman, I get it. You know, like, I mean, she's like, cause the other times I've been photographed and like, so, you know, male photographers don't, don't tell you to like cheat your chin out or things. I was like, oh no girl, I got you. Um, yeah, we just had this, like, we had, we hit it off and, um, and I feel like she was definitely very pivotal in, in supporting me. Cause throughout that year, I mean, her business, her phenomenal 
business grew as well. And when there were opportunities to hire a photographer, she would reach out to me. And so she hired me a couple of times for some phenomenal portrait events. And also she ended up getting hired at Uber. And so she hired me for some Uber stuff. So yeah, she always like kept me in mind. And again, like it's always been, at least in my photo career, I've always and only been supported by women. Like, I actually don't know a lot of male photographers. I don't, I have not, it, it's just the times that I had, it's been uncomfortable and patron and it's, it's hard being a woman in a commercial in a male dominated commercial industry. And so I just, I think naturally gravitated and just the way my story has unfolded, it's always been women and, um, and specifically as of the later part or, or the latter part of my career has been a lot of women of color community. So yeah, Mina has been, um, but, and then, yeah, and then she too, like hit me up when Kamala Harris was campaigning here. I was like, we would love to do, you know, I love the portraits that you do. Like, can you do some portraits? So it's so interesting because, so I did these pro these works for her. And so you put it out in the world and then people see it, you know, and I think that's what brought attention to my work and yeah, Mina. And also too, when Mina had to move out of her, office space or photo studio space for phenomenal. Um, she had all this photo gear. And at the time I had just gotten my photo studio in Oakland and she was like, Hey, like, can I just donate this stuff for you? Like, you know, and I was like, what? So, you know, she has definitely been an angel, a photo angel or like a, you know, a supportive woman in my life, um, in that regard. And so I'd say with that and yeah, that, that got a ton, like uh, the Kamala images got a lot of attention. Um, also at the time too, I think Visco, I was, a, I was like, but using Visco app or the, their own, their, I forget what it's called, but they're, they have their own like forum and their own feed and stuff. And I was posting a lot at the time and they reached out to and, and hired me for a couple of great projects. Like the, when they prepared with Adobe to do this creative stock imagery side and had budget for me to just create whatever I wanted. And I was like, well, if I can create whatever I want and, um, and it was for their yeah, creative stock imagery. And I was like, wow, I checked it out. And there was like no barely p well there was pocs it was like black folks and white folks but i was like but where are the latinas where's our middle east you know where's asian american representation there was no other kind of representation but i was like okay karen like photograph what you know and obviously people so i'm going to do people and i think this is a great opportunity which i always wanted to do is photograph members of my own community so my own latinx community so yeah that project got whipped up in like two weeks and put out an outreach on my Instagram of like, Hey, like casting just Latinx folks. And I'm just going to, I want to celebrate us and bring us in a lot of color. Cause a lot of, a lot of stock imagery for Latinx at the time, like pre this racial awakening has been like, it's like migrant workers in the field. It's like very stereotypical things. And I was just like, this is very bizarre. Like, where's the C where's the Latina CEO, you know, or where's the Latina professor, you know, or like other types of like stock identities or whatnot. Right. Or like, where's our non-binary Latinx folks and where's queer representation in all this. And so, yeah, so I, I wanted I, for the best that I could in those two weeks of casting, like try to be as inclusive as possible of all Latinx identities. And that project was also so much heart was in that project because again, it was like creating for my community, uplifting them, having them. A lot of these people had never been photographed before as well. So have ha them having a portrait represented of them in this like colorful or vibrant way was really meaningful for them as well as it was for me creating it for them. So it felt, it felt like family, it felt good. And again, I think 
at least for me, that shows through the images and perhaps that's what attracted others to that body of work. And yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. So for me, it wasn't so much like knocking on producers or I don't know, like, I don't know how other people are like mail marketing and all these other kind of tactics for me is really has always been just like creating the work that I love and creating for my community and, and the people that I want to see represented. And so that's, that's my intent. I think that's when I kind of, it all just kind of clicked. Like I was already doing it, but then I realized like, oh, that's my purpose. Like that is my purpose as far as like my creative intent or my photographic creative intent. And if I have, and if I am in this commercial industry, how can I empower my community of, and how can I help shift the media lens um, or the representation that we see out there in the world to um, empower um, marginalized communities or BIPOC identities and be inclusive of that? It's amazing. I love it. I mean, I, I feel like you've really found your niche and then through that niche has come the success, right? And so mm -hmm. it's feeding, you know, you're just feeding your own passion and um, it's, it's awesome. I love it. We are coming towards our close of the podcast. Can we, what, um, I guess the other things we always like to hear are, is there anything through this whole journey that you've had, Karen, where you felt like there was something you wish you had known beforehand that someone didn't share with you, some kind of tip or trick for other creatives or photographers or business owners? You know, what's that one thing that you're like, oh God, if I had only known that, I would have done it different. Mm, I think, and I'm going to speak specifically to just women in general or like women at large is because again, I think the dudes in the industry aren't going to tell you this because I don't think this is what they have to deal with as much, but, um, comp you know, having gen like genuine confidence is hard or advocating for yourself is hard. And the only way we can do that and stand up for ourselves is, you know, doing our own self work and knowing our worth and knowing our power and knowing our create our, yeah, just like how, amazing we are <laughs> as, as women on this earth, but, you know, even just in this professional setting. Um, and I think a lot of the challenges I'd had to navigate is my emotions and business because a lot of men don't, and that's just part of our science and nature, right? Like in taking things personally or being people or being people pleasers or, you know, like, uh, not asking for more. And so, you know, it's, it's even though someone could have told me that then, and I think I was told that a couple of times in like my early twenties of like, you got to advocate for yourself. It's like, it's hard to do that when you don't feel that or, or feel like you're an imposter to feel like you don't have the credentials and feel like you don't have these things. And, and so what can we do then to empower ourselves is to, yeah, take care of ourselves and to do the work to know our worth as a person first and foremost. And then that definitely um, branches out into other parts of our lives. And so I think that that has been really um, evident for me in my own, my personal growth, to see my personal growth in the past decade to where I am now and also experience, you know? And so I think part of it too, is like putting yourself in these spaces and, and, and getting yourself, whether it's, um, assisting or trying a new project or trying a new technique or camera or whatever, what have you, um, doing it, exploring, experimenting. And then in, if it doesn't feel right, like trust that, like trusting your gut and knowing like what feels right and what doesn't feel right or what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And so I've 
I've learned that too, like in, in retrospectively looking back, there were so many times I was maybe assisted, like, I think I assisted one or two male photographers in the past and just, it was a weird toxic energy. And I remember it not feeling, it wasn't a feel good experience. And I remember, I think intuitively at that time, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be here. And so I did it, <laughs> you know, and, and like trusting that, you know, and like, I think sometimes we think we have to pay our dues and just like suffer or deal with it or whatnot, but but no, like do what, do what feels right. and feels good, but that takes self awareness. So right. I'd say that that plays a part. Yeah. I like that. And also I think just taking, like taking care of yourself and then mm-hmm. staying true to yourself, right. Where mm-hmm. it's sort of, those are things you definitely learn as you get older, but also I think when you're younger, like really being true to yourself is going to really drive the right you're going to go the right path if you stay true mm-hmm. to yourself and, mm-hmm. and you're going to find your niche if you stay true to yourself, which is always it, important. It's so true. You know, and I remember, I remember at the time too, when I was in the wedding industry, like going to these like wedding workshops and, and, um, that like my, my mentor like paid for, and they were talking about like authenticity. And I remember like, we all crave that we all crave like, uh, like we sometimes are so envious of other people's like, God, their work is so rot or like, who are they? And all these things. It's like, yeah, but so are you, you know, like, and, and as long, and you're right. Like, it's like really being true to yourself and learning who you are and your authenticity. And again, that takes like the time of your own like self-work and awareness and, and again, trusting yourself. So, um, and I think that's where we are attracted to the most powerful images is like people that really are present with that and are present with the people and in, in wanting to represent them in images in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. And I think I can't wait to see how buy and for progresses and what you guys do in the coming years. I think it's a great organization. And will you share with the listeners where they can find your, your work, where they can find buy and for how they can follow you? Yeah. So you can find buy and for at buy and co. Um, and we also have an Instagram, I believe it's buy and for underscore BIPOC. And yeah, you can sign up on our newsletter. Um, our Instagram account is where we keep most things up, you know, up to date and flow in with awesome imagery and content from our amazing social media marketers. And as for myself, karensantos.com and my Instagram handles, Karen underscore underscore Santos. And yeah, I try to update both. <laughs> I'm just kind of, you know, it's hard to manage it all. Again, we're wearing so many hats and I just want to be present, like in my own self-care and in my own professional work. So, um, so, you know, I'll update, I'll update stuff every now and then. Right. <laughs> well, good. Um, it was really great having you here. We appreciate your time and thanks for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful that you um, made space to be able to share my story and 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 also share by and for. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We are focusonwomen.org. Make sure to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Leave us a review. Please feel free to reach out to Shelly or I about being on our podcast as we are looking for new people to interview all the time. And we hope everyone stays safe and keeps their creative juices flowing. 